All right, so show of hands, who here plays disc golf, frisbee golf? Wow, by myself here. All right, never mind. All right, I got one. All right, I think he was peer pressured into it. But I uh, got connected with, with disc golf when I was about eighth grade, around that age. As I've mentioned before, I love things that fly, airplanes, birds, all of it. So when I saw somebody take one of these, what I thought was just a normal Frisbee, and just chuck that thing 500 feet, I was hooked immediately. And so I said, I'm going to buy a few of those. And uh, since I was the only one in my family who had ever even really heard of this, I became self-taught, right? I found a park in Orlando, Florida, Barnett Park, there was a course I'd go all the time, practicing all the time. Anytime I could convince my parents to take me out to Barnett Park, I was out there throwing, putting, doing all of that to get better. But I was, I was self-taught at the end of the day. And I started to get pretty good for an eighth grader. Not that I'm, not that I'm bragging, but uh, for teaching myself, I felt pretty confident. But then what happens, right? You start to get connected with people who are actually good at what they're doing, and you become insecure, right? You start to notice your flaws, say, oh, man, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And um, I felt like I just lost my mojo. I was like, man, I don't, everything I do just feels weak, and, and just it's not connecting. It's not feeling right. I needed to level up somehow. I needed help. And uh, there are times when we feel this way. I needed some extra wisdom, some extra experience. And so, we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 7. So, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be towards the end of it this morning. And we're going to start, I'm going to give a little context here. In Matthew chapter 7, the ministry of Jesus has kind of already started, right? They say he was about 33 years old when he started. He started preaching and teaching. What draw people to him is that he started to heal people, people who have been sick for so long just by being in his presence, by him touching them, by him praying for them. They were healed. His ministry began to grow. Like other rabbis or teachers, he started to amass a following. People following him, following every word he's saying. Where he goes, they go. Where he sleeps, they sleep. They want to be around him. His ministry is growing. And out of these followers, this larger group of people, Jesus then selects the 12. This has already happened. The 12 disciples. This is his core group of followers. This movement is starting to become legit. And people are beginning to notice. And so this morning we're going to find ourselves in Matthew 7, 24. Like I said, we're going to be close to the end. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says this to the people who had gathered around him. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, 
and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. See, this is something that would ring true in people's hearts, right? This is something that's still true today. Houses, especially in Florida, need to be built on some sort of foundation because it's not if the rains will come, especially here. It is when will the rains come. Very true for the same group of people at this time. And so this is something that rings true in the minds and the hearts of those listening to Jesus. When you build a house, still true today, what do you want in that house? You want stability, right? And you want to be protected inside of that house. And so as Jesus makes this parable known, we have a tendency, and this is not theologically incorrect at all. Don't get it twisted. These are still true things, but we say, you know, if I'm with Jesus, then nothing can hurt me. All, everything's going to be good all the time because I'm founded on the rock. That's not wrong, but this is a parable about wisdom and stability in the storms. And so if stability is the goal, then wisdom is how we get there. This parable is something that Jesus says, it calls us to action. It's not a passive parable. Yes, you're protected in the house, but if wisdom is the goal, we are called to action. Because Jesus says, those who hear my words and do them, right? Hear and do. Luke, in Luke chapter 6, this is the same story told from a different perspective. In Luke chapter 6, um, verse 46, it says this, or actually in verse 47, everyone who comes to me, so now you have to approach everyone who comes to me, hears my words, and does them. I will show you what they are like. They are like the person who builds their house on the rock, right? Action. We are being called to action. And so, right, the question might be, so what are these words? Is it the Bible? Yeah, sure. Like I said, that's not a theologically incorrect way of looking at this. But in this particular context, and we're back at Matthew now, Matthew chapter 7, this is the tail end of a larger thought the culmination of one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. It starts all the way back in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus goes through a bunch of things. He starts with the Beatitudes, right? Understanding Christ and the law. How do we deal with anger, making oaths, lust, divorce, retaliation, loving your enemies? Goodness, that's a big one still giving to the poor, 
how to pray, fasting, treasures on earth and heaven, anxiety, judgment, judging one another. How do we treat people? False prophets. Jesus outlines the blueprint. And then at the end, we find ourselves here. Then those who hear these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so wisdom begins with the approach. Those who come to me, approaching. So, like I said, I had lost my mojo. What am I going to do? I can't throw. It hurts my arm. I'm doing something wrong. I feel like I am a mess. And so, I started playing in a handicap group on Sundays. And at this group, there was a professional player. Florida has some professional disc golf players. I don't even see, maybe you guys didn't even know that there are people who live their lives just doing this all the time. Well, this guy was a serious dude. Like, it's like he was angry at the discs, right? Like, he, he knew what he was doing. He executed it well every single time. I guess that's what it means to be a professional. And I knew I needed some help, and I didn't know where else to go. And so one day, I gathered the courage to approach this guy. I said, hey, I'm trying to use my, like, my childlike charm, right? Because I'm still a kid. I'm hoping that will work in my favor. I say, hey, um, I'm wondering if, uh, if, if you can give me some pointers. Can I just watch you play? And, uh, you know, then you can watch me play and you can critique my form and I'll learn. I'll learn. And this was a guy, like I said, didn't really like to be bothered, just focused on the game. He said yes. Oh, my goodness. All right, cool. So I've done the first part. I have approached, and he has said yes. And so I watch him throw. It's amazing, just crushing it every time. He teaches me about the thought process behind he does what he does, why he throws a certain way. And I started to learn because wisdom begins with the approach. The thing is, the approach isn't it. That's not the only part. It's not all there is to gaining wisdom. You must then accept the teaching. And you see, Jesus taught things that were countercultural, things that made people uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. We look at Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler, right? We've heard of this story before, or maybe you haven't. I'll summarize it for you. In Matthew 19, there was a young man, wealthy, approached Jesus and says, Master, I've done everything I could. I've done everything right. And Jesus, he says, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, well, have you obeyed these commandments and that, that commandment and this one? He says, yes, I have done all of those things. What else do I need to do? Jesus says, cool. I need you now then to sell everything you have. And follow me. It says this, uh, word for word. It says, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. 
This is familiar, right? These are the teachings that are coming out of this sermon that Jesus just preached that we're working with now in chapter 7. It says, if you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And verse 22 then says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So let's now look at the rich young ruler like a case study, sure. He approached he came, physically came to Jesus, said, hey, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? Jesus says, all right, you've done these things. Now I'm going to teach you one more. Sell every single thing you have. Give it to the poor. Your treasures will be in heaven. Then come and follow me. He approached, but at the sound of selling everything he owned, he could not accept the wisdom that Christ was giving to him. He says, well, that is a line I cannot cross. And so as we pursue wisdom, in the pursuit of wisdom, we must accept that what we are learning, that what we are reading, that as we learn about this man Jesus more and more, as we follow, fall into a relationship with this man Jesus, that what he is teaching us through his word is something that is valuable and true, something that we should accept. But the thing is, you cannot accept without first approaching. On some level, right, I wanted to learn how to play disc golf. And so I had to approach something. I approached YouTube at first. YouTube was my teacher. And then I realized that that wasn't just doing it for me. I needed something more. I approached a local professional player. On some level, you have to approach before you can accept. And so this local professional began to absolutely roast me, just tear me apart. And I mean, that's what I asked for, right? I asked him to critique my form. I just didn't realize how harsh it would be. He says, hey, your grip, it's trash. Your stance, how, you, how you're positioning yourself, it's trash. Your form is trash. The thought process, I don't even think you're thinking. It's trash. And, you know, because I was self-taught, I was like, well, I really feel like you just don't like me. Because <laughs> everything you're critiquing is everything I learned on my own. And it's at this point in our relationship with Christ as he begins to say, hey, some of these things that you're doing, as you read, you'll become convicted. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this, or maybe you should go and do this. They become uncomfortable. It's here. As we seek to accept, as we do that, we become either defensive or overwhelmed. And we become like this rich young ruler and say, this is a line I cannot cross. I cannot accept everything you are giving me. But if, if we are able to break through this barrier, we enter into the third, I call it the three A's, the third A of wisdom, right? Then we can now apply. We can apply what we have learned, right? We've approached We've taken that first step. We have accepted what we're being taught. Now we must put it into action. 
So we're going to go ahead and we're going to read Matthew 7, 24 again. It says, so everyone then who hears these words of mine, right? We've approached, so we heard, and now we must do them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built this house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is the hardest part. This is absolutely the most difficult thing to do. If you don't believe me, I know you've met someone in your life who at some point came to you. Maybe you're this person. If if you haven't met someone, you're this person. Just spoiler alert. Somebody who comes to you and says, I need help. They've approached. Then you give them the advice. This is what I think you should do. Then they accept it. Yeah, that's the right thing. And then what do they do? They leave your house or the coffee shop, wherever you met them, and then they do the complete opposite, right? How annoying does that get? Like I said, if you've said, man, I've never had that experience, it's you, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But this is something that happens. These are things that happen all the time. We have, we live in a culture too where, you know, there's all kinds of self-help podcasts and books and things like that, and they all sound great. You, You approach them. You accept that this is the right thing to do. I should be doing it. But the application is so hard because it's an action step in your own life. Things will have to change. It becomes hard. This is also something that people do all the time, right? So I'll tell a little story when this is pre-Raquel, pre-wedding, pre-all of that. When I was at Southern, I worked for Campus Ministries and... Uh, we would go every year on these retreats, right? So the vision, mission planning for the whole school year, we'd go off to like Alabama somewhere, and we would stay in this big, big, big um, cabin. And like a good Christian college, the girls would stay on one side and the guys would stay on one side. But they were like, you guys are adults, so like we're not going to give you a bedtime because that seems like a little excessive. But this, this place right here, this is what we're going to call no man's land, and you guys can stay up all night. Just don't cross this line. And, you know, we did, right? Because we're campus ministries, right? We did the right thing. <laughs> and, um, but what would happen, and, you know, if you, you go to a Bible college or something like that, the joke is that everybody's just trying to get married, right? And so people will say a lot of things that sound right, well, I'm looking for uh, 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 a man who will provide, and I'm looking for someone who reads the Bible, and, 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 and I'm looking for a wife who will do all the, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, and they sound right, and they sound good. And this is what would happen every night. People would just start talking. This is what I'm looking for. And I went one night, and uh, a, a pet peeve of mine is like, I actually kind of hate that when people will get together and say a bunch of things, and then not act on them. It, like, gets on my nerves. So I went the first night, and I realized, oh, this is exactly what this is, because I know these people. They're not going to do anything that they say they're going to do. So then the next night, I decided, I'm actually just going to sleep outside. I had a new hammock. I strung it up, and I slept outside. It was great. But in the morning, my friend, Jamil, he comes to me, and he says, Ben, 
you missed it. I'm like, what did I miss? He's like, oh, everybody was saying it was such a good learning opportunity. And I said, Jamil, I could, or I could have been there. And one of the girls across no man's land could have said, I want a short theology major, Puerto Rican who does not speak Spanish, with short hair, from Orlando, Florida, and I would still leave that situation single. Because it's a lot of approaching, accepting that these are good things, but zero application. So I, you know, I would just stay outside. This is stuff that happens. These are hard truths. Some of these, they convict us to change our whole lives. People move across the world because of some of the stuff that they read in this book. Loving your enemies is hard today. It was hard back then too. But if stability and safety is the goal, then wisdom needs to be our pursuit. You see, when a house is built, the foundation is something we don't see. We don't see it. So from the outside, looking in, both houses look the same. They look good. I'd want to live in both of them. Oh, I'll take them. But what happens is the storm comes. We know it comes. The storm is on its way. And you won't know the difference in the two houses until the storm gets there. And it says the rains came and the winds beat against the house and the house is gone. The one that has no foundation. The storms are two things, right? These could be the storms of life, like Florida. Around 3 p.m. in the summer, you know every day a storm is coming. And that's the same way with life. Like clockwork, we realize, man, things have been going pretty good for a while. And then, boom, a storm comes. And it'll cut you off at the knees. It'll make things hard. Both houses look fine when things are going fine. But it's when the storm comes that we see the truth. Did that person approach? Did they accept? Did they apply what they have been learning? It could also be, and in this context, that's what is being talked about, an end-time, quote-unquote, storm. Both houses look fine until the end, until the very end. And at the end, everyone will know because the storm came, the winds came, the rains came, the floods came, and only the house with a foundation survived the storm. You see, we're going to move up now in Matthew 7, 21. There is a pitfall here, though. If you try to go out of order, and what I mean is, if you accept the teachings, you say these are good, and you try then to apply them, you fall into a pit. In verse 21, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? They have obviously accepted the teachings. They have obviously applied said teachings. But verse 23 says this, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, without having a relationship, without approaching, how can he know you? With acceptance and application, but no approach no proximity to the Savior. It is works only. There is no foundation. True wisdom, safety, stability has its foundation in a relationship with Jesus always. And in that relationship, in the proximity, in the approach all wisdom and salvation is found. In knowing Him, Jesus, asking Him questions, applying what He is teaching us, we will be okay. But to do the work without Knowing Him is the same as building your house on sand. So, in knowing this professional disc golf player, I asked him a bunch of questions. He roasted my life. I had a decision to make. I said, well, he's obviously the professional. What he's saying is true. I have to apply it now. And he made me hold the disc in a way that it would hurt my hand. You know, it was different. It felt uncomfortable. I didn't like it at first. In fact, I was angry. I felt like I had wasted my time. But I had to stick with it. And you know what? I ended up getting better. I did. If you are in a pursuit of wisdom today, or safety, or you're looking for stability in the storm, approach Jesus. Accept His teachings and His guidance. And finally, apply what He's saying. Act on His voice as He's calling out to you. Say, yes, I will go. But make sure that in every step, the number one thing you do is remain close. Close to Him in a relationship with Him and you will be like a house built on the rock. Let's pray. Our most kind of Heavenly Father, God, thank You. God, thank You for Your teachings made available to us, passed down from generation to generation. Lord, You are still speaking to us today. I pray with all of my heart for my friends and family here. God, that in all things, when we have a question, that we would approach 
God, that as you open up your heart to us, as you teach us what it is we should be doing, Lord, that we would then accept that. God, that we would apply it thereafter. But God, in all things, may we stay close to you. God, we love you. We miss you. We really want to see you soon. So God, get us ready for this day when the storm, so to speak, is coming. Prepare our hearts that we would find our foundation in you. That in the rock, nothing, no wind, rain, hail, tornado, nothing would be able to shake us. That we would be strong and protected and stable because of you. In your name, amen.